Well, good morning, everybody. Everyone doing all right this morning? Thank you, uh, worship team. Thank you guys for leading us this morning. I really appreciate that. Uh, how many of you guys are familiar with the term caveat emptor? I thought I'd see hands go crazy. You know, it's, it's a really popular term. You actually, I'm sure you're familiar with it. You just don't know you're familiar with it. It's the, uh, it's the principle that actually drove a lot of ancient uh, consumerism. Uh, today, you probably know the term not by caveat emptor, but by the term buyer beware. Now, anybody familiar? Okay, yeah, so we're, we're familiar with this. And it's an old, it's an old practice, it's an old principle uh, that we don't really use today because in modern uh, consumerism, uh, consumers are protected more than the uh, providers of, of stuff. And, and what I mean by that is when you go on Amazon, uh, as mo- most of us are going to do over the next couple months uh, to buy Christmas gifts for people that we love and cherish, uh, there is a standard that says that you ought to get what you're paying for, right? You go on to, to buy a, a toy for your grandkids or your kids and uh, something else shows up, a trash can shows up at your house, you have every right to then uh, go back to that person and say, hey, this is not what I paid for. And they're going to make sure, they're obligated to make sure that you get uh, what you what you bargained for. But that wasn't always the case. Uh, in years past, whoa, you guys good? <laughs> My ears are ringing. Uh, in years past, sellers uh, weren't always obligated to disclose all of the relevant information to their buyers. In other words, there was this idea, caveat emptor is, is this idea that the, the seller always knows more. And it's the job of the consumer to make sure you do your homework, to make sure that you are knowing what you're getting yourself into, because once you sign that dotted line, you get what you get and there's no going back. And the reason I bring that up today is because uh, what we are at in Jude, last week Jude has told us that there are false teachers that have crept into the church, and they are uh, selling a a bill of garbage uh, that sadly is going completely unnoticed by the church, sadly is uh, undetected, sadly it's uh, people are buying into it, and it's leading to a very dangerous Place And we've learned, as we talked about last week, when uh, in verse 4, where Jude says that certain people crept in unnoticed, designated for this condemnation, that, that these false teachers don't come in with their, their snare drums and their loud uh, you know, uh, speaker system saying, here's, here's this new teaching that we're going to promote, and you should buy into it, and here's all the implications that go with buying into these things. And we found that these scammers show up, and they give you just enough that it seems appealing, just enough that's there that sounds like something that you would want to be part of. And, and, and that the danger of it is they haven't told you the reason repercussions that will follow all the way down the road. And so what Jude is doing in today's passage, I, we were talking with the worship team before a rehearsal this morning and say, hey, this, is, this is really great, you know, focusing our time and attention on Thanksgiving and, and peace and, and being thankful for these things. And then we're going to go to the book of Jude and uh, not talk about any of that at all because Jude in some ways is saying, listen, remember, we're on high alert. The, we're, we're on red alert. Things are going through the roof. The alarms should be blaring right now because there's dangers uh, that are creeping into our midst. And what Jude is going to do in this long passage that we're going to deal with today is, in essence, disclose all the information that these scammers aren't uh, aren't giving to us. And so, if you've got your Bibles with me, 
I invite you to open them up to Jude. Uh, I would say a chapter, but it's just Jude. Uh, we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 16 uh, together this morning. And uh, we'll, we'll be picking up right where we left off where he said, these people have come in, they're perverting the grace of our God into sensuality, and they're denying our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. And then starting in verse 5, Jude says this. He says, Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus who saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains until gloomy darkness, until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example. By undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, they defile the flesh and reject authority, and they blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain, and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error, and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love feasts, as they feast with you without fear." Shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones, to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loudmouth boasters showing favoritism to gain advantage. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you and... Uh, as the preacher of this text, I ask for your blessing. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of strange stuff, a lot to try to understand, a lot to wrap our heads around. So I pray that as we devote some time together as a body this morning to this passage, that you would bring clarity, you'd bring understanding. God, that you would uh, help us to look within our own lives and the worlds that we live in, the influences that are a part of our, our lives and examine them, that we might recognize and heed the warnings that Jude is giving us even today. So we pray a blessing on the preaching and reception of your word. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Well, quite the passage. There's a lot of stuff going on in this, in this passage, a lot of references, lots of things dealing with. And Jude uses these six examples. He's just as, just as, just as. And, and all of them are coming from the first five books of the Bible. Uh, if you are familiar with it, actually, to be uh, totally exact, they come from Genesis and Numbers. 
Uh, there's even a couple references to things outside the Bible. This whole, uh, you know, the devil and Archangel Michael debating with each other over Moses' body. That's a little peculiar to us. We're like, where, where exactly you chapter and verse that? Well, it's not in uh, this book. Uh, it's a reference that Jude is making to another Jewish text. Uh, but there's a lot happening here. There's lists galore, the, the trifecta of examples in verses 5 through 7. There's the descriptions that we have of these false teachers in verse 8. Uh, you've got uh, the second trifecta of examples in verse 11, and then you've got more descriptions in verses 12 and 13, and then uh, you've got this uh, final description in verse 16, and, and this judgment that's coming. There's a lot going on in this passage. So the question is, the question is, what's the point? What are we supposed to do with all of this information? What are we supposed to do with all these examples? Jude does not waste a syllable in explaining to us and warning the church of the grave things that we are facing. And so as we examine these things, as we examine these false teachers, what Jude is doing in essence is, is trying to help us understand a little bit about how they operate, a little bit about the, the outcomes that are going to come if we follow these false teachings. Last week I threw a picture on the screen of two $20 bills. And uh, many of you guys weren't here last week, so here's the picture again. Uh, we said that one of these 20s is real and one of them is counterfeit. But the, the harsh reality is that most of us, as we look at these pictures, if you took a shot, you'd be flipping a coin saying which one's real and which one's not. We have no earthly idea. And that's, in essence, what Jude is saying these false teachers are like. They're so subtle, so sneaky, that the untrained eye, they, they'll just go undetected. And so what he's doing is in these examples is beginning to show us some of the patterns of counterfeits, right? And so last week I told you just for uh, fun's sake that the top one's real and the bottom one's false. And in, in the world of currency, what could happen is we could go and say, okay, we want to examine every single uh, example of counterfeit money. And if you want to be safe and you want to be secure, you should know every example of counterfeits and so that uh, when you see that counterfeit show up in your wallet or in that card that someone's going to give you you can see it and know right away that it's false but there's an infinite amount of ways that currency can be counterfeited and it would be it take you a lifetime to try to study every minute little thing that could be false could be off and so, rather, we begin to study the, the authenticity of what's true so that we can identify that. So when we see something that's, that's just off, we can recognize it right away. And that's why Jude, even in today's passage, right, as he uh, talks to us a little bit about how, how these, uh, these false teachers operate, he doesn't just go into every single fraudulent thing. In the same way that last week he says, hey, we have a faith that's been once and for all passed down to us. Today he goes back to the scriptures. He's like, look, it's been in front of us the entire time. We're, we've had it the whole time that if we studied it and we examined it and we knew what it was saying, then when these other people creep in, you would recognize their patterns in all the stories that you're familiar with in the past. And so what we're going to be doing this morning as Jude kind of dives into this is what he does with some of these examples is kind of outlines for us the patterns that false teachers are going to typically follow. The patterns that false teachers typically follow. And these, uh, these examples that he uses are examples of people who, biblically speaking, 
are doing exactly what these false teachers that we should be on red alert for are doing, perverting the grace of God into sensuality and denying our only Lord and Master Jesus Christ. And what he does with all these examples, six specific biblical examples, is he shows us that it doesn't all come in the same package. Sometimes these false teachings, sometimes they come uh, with different pictures. It deals with different people and different times and different situations and different perversions, if you will. But all of them uh, are common and united in that one thing. They take the grace of God and pervert it into sensuality. So he begins to say, I, I'm just going to remind you of the stuff that you already know. right? The Israelites doubted God's plan. When God delivered them out of captivity and slavery in Egypt, what did the Israelites do? Virtually nothing but complain and grumble as they were in the wilderness. To the extent that when God uh, got to the point where they're knocking on the door of the promised land and they send spies into the land, Numbers chapter 14, the spies come back with a report to the people. And, and what was the original report? Guys, it's exactly like God said it is. A land flowing with milk and honey. But there's big people in there that are going to eat us for lunch. So we shouldn't go in. We can't do it. And the people of Israel began to complain and they went to Moses and like, why on earth would God bring us out into the wilderness so that we could die here? Wouldn't it be better for us to what? Go back to Egypt where they were slaves, where they were mistreated, where they were captives. They failed to see and believe and trust what God was and what God could do in their midst and where God was leading them to go. And so they were more willing to trade all of that to go back to slavery. And what Jude is effectually saying is, listen guys, the false teachers that come into our midst are going to follow the same pattern. They're going to doubt God's plans. They're going to say, here's where God's taking you, but I don't think he can get you there. It was great to believe God then. It was awesome. What wonderful things. And we look at the Israelites and we say, how could they? How could they have come to that conclusion? Right? If only I... We're able to see all the plagues that God brought upon the Egyptians. If I were able to witness that, if only I were able to see the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud leading, if I walked across the Red Sea on dry ground, I would never doubt what God could do. Or would you? Because what Jude is saying is listen. We have a salvation that has been offered to us by Christ and these people are coming in and saying, you remember the cross? Not to mention the, the red scene and everything, but you remember the cross, right? Where Jesus died and you remember that, that tomb that he was buried in and how three days later he rose from the dead? And they're going to pervert the grace of God by doubting whatever God may be doing in our life. Where's God taking you? So we believe in a moment and then we throw trust and we throw faith out the window. And we begin to live in our circumstances and we're willing to trade the freedom and liberty that we have in Christ to go back to slavery, to sin. I would rather live as I was 
and to live where God's leading me. And he goes on. He says not only that, but these angels who deviated from their proper place and made their uh, dwelling among men. Many believe that what Jude's speaking to is Genesis chapter 6, where the the sons of God uh, slept with the the women of man and had babies. And then right after that, God said the the world has become so wicked that we're going to destroy it with a flood. Whether that's the case, uh, or, or Jude's just simply referencing that angels that had fallen from heaven, the third of the angels that, that followed the way of the devil and they, they fell from heaven. Either way, what, what he is criticizing of them is that they left where they belonged. They knew their place and they said, I'm not, I'm not content with my place, I want something else. I want something more. And Jude says we are liable to follow the same path, to step out of line, to deviate from our proper place, to know who we are in Christ, to know our own limitations, to not make ourselves God. He says, be careful, because the false teachers are going to say that we're far more than we really are. Sodom and Gomorrah, he says, delighted in godly, ungodly uh, perversions. They uh, indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desires, Jude says. And as a result, what did God do? He rained down fire and sulfur from heaven and destroyed the cities as an example for all those who would come after. And we take what Jude is warning is that, man, we delight in what we perverse. We take the good that God has given us, the good things that we should be thankful for, the things that we should be thankful for, and especially on a week like this, and we take it and we twist it and we pervert it into something that's no longer good, no longer identifiable as what it was when it was originally given to us. Call it sexuality. Call it anything that we take and we twist. That's what the false teachers will do. Cain was driven by envy and hatred, and he led to murdering his brother. Balaam was driven by profit, and he used and abused his position for his own gain. And he was rebuked when God, this is where, if you remember in the Bible, when I was a senior in high school, I had a friend say, your Bible is pretty crazy. It has talking animals in it. And I was like, what are you talking about? I don't know about talking animals. Well, Balaam's the one who had a donkey talk to him. Where God opened the mouth of a donkey to rebuke Balaam for his selfish and greedy pursuit of profit by abusing his position of authority. Then you've got... Korah, who, who organized a coup and desired power, and he organized this coup against Moses, and he led others astray, and, and uh, man, no good. And what Jude's saying is, listen, the same patterns that have been there all along are the same patterns that we ought to be watching out for. They're the ones that we need to keep our eyes on high alert for times and places where uh, people come in and influencers come in and teachers come in and they start to teach us or lead us to doubt God's plan, to deviate from our proper place, to delight in ungodly perversions, to be driven by profit in our lives or to desire power. And, And when we begin to look through this lens, we begin to see all the fallacies of the different ideologies and philosophies and all the ologies that we can come up with of our day and age today that creep into the church. From the sexual revolution and all the confusions and perversions of the sexual identity movement 
down to the, uh, the subtleties of the humanistic self-help movement that captivates even us as the church. The next five-step process to having a thriving marriage. The next three-step process to a successful career. We eat this stuff up like it's going out of style. To the rebellion of to civic authorities in the name of Christ. To the influencers on social media and our favorite news platforms that don't just tell us what to think, but teach us how to think. That's what's happening nowadays. Guys, this is not the only sermon you will listen to this week. You are preached to all day, every day. We live in a time where there are many voices... Many teachers, many preachers who are coming with messages that the world has figured out, by the way, that you like to hear, that appeal to you, that you'll eat up. So these places where we're being spoon-fed content all the time should be the very place that maybe you should start saying, hold on, is this really good for me? Is this a diet that's healthy? Is, is this perhaps where these subtle teachers, these, these sneaky scam artists are going to sneak into my life and start leading me astray and start throwing 20s at me that I don't even recognize are real or not? We need to be ever so careful because we find that there are people today who are willingly and eagerly subscribing to some of these ideologies because they don't recognize it when it's small. And they start walking down the path. And they start buying into it. And they start to experience the results of it. And it's no wonder we are where we're at today. And we look at the world around us. We look at even where the church is struggling today. It's no wonder that we're at where we're at. Because we bought into a line of absolute garbage. In the business world, uh, they say that your business is uh, you're getting the results that your business is designed to give, right? This is the same thing when it comes to these teachings. You're going to get the results that they're designed to give. And so not only does, does Jude kind of give us the patterns of these false teachers to watch out for, but he outlines the product that they're really selling because they bait and switch like crazy. They offer one thing and, off, and deliver something altogether different. So if you look at verses 12 and 13, you start to see this, this list uh, that Jude brings up here. And in this list, he has all these different descriptions. You've got uh, hidden reefs or blemishes, depending on what your translation is. You've got selfish shepherds. You've got empty clouds and dead trees and, and wild waves, wandering stars, and all of this. Like, it's, it's so crazy. But simply put, you buy into the garbage that these false teachers are selling, and this is what Paul says you're going to get. You're going to get garbage. They are not going to deliver what they say that they're going to deliver for you. And so if you follow the veins of these teachings, Jude is warning us. He says, what you're going to actually get, the product that you're going to get in the mail, the thing that you're going to find the end of that rainbow... What you're going to find is you're going to find yourself delivered to danger like hidden reefs that are unseen and unfelt until it's too late and they bring destruction and chaos and damage into your life. He says what you're going to find is disappointment like waterless clouds who boast abundance and vitality and, and fail to deliver on their promises. What we're going to find is deprivation from the leaders and teachers that say that they're, they're there for you. 
They, they want to help you, man. It's all about you, and how can they help you succeed? How can, and really what it is is they just want another listener, another subscriber. You're a means to an end. Uh, really, the, what they're doing is they're feeding themselves, Jude says. They're not concerned about your well-being. They're not concerned about your health. What they're concerned about is their own stomachs, and you're a means to filling them. He says we're going to find ourselves in a place of destitution like fruitless trees that are twice dead and uprooted. There's no life, no vitality, no resource, no fruitfulness, no nutrients to be found in utter wasteland. And in their wake, they're going to leave you like damaged and dirty goods, like wild waves leaving you battered and bruised and covered in shame and muck leave you disoriented like wandering stars or better put the planets that as the the uh, people of old would look to the stars for navigation they started seeing these stars that moved we now know that they're planets not very good for leading you you start following their course and you're going to get all over the place lost and confused and this this is why Jude takes it so seriously. We've got to be watching. Because none of you want to go on Amazon and order something and get something else. And the reality is, if we're not so careful, we will follow the course of the world around us. Because the world around us has already bought into all this stuff. And it's no wonder that we see things for where they're at. All the mental health issues, the marriages that crumble all around us. This stuff's happening in our own communities because people have bought into something that says this is going to be the best thing for you and what it does is it ravages their lives. It's dangerous. We need to pay close attention. Buyer beware. That's what Jude's saying. Know what you're signing up for when you start with it. Know what you're buying into and know where it's going to go because ultimately, while these things happen, we can recognize the patterns, we recognize uh, the products. Jude also warns us down in the, the last part of our passage today in verse 14 and 15, the penalty that it will ultimately come. One day, he says, it's going to happen. So that even though right here and right now it may seem as though there's no ultimate consequence for following these uh, veins of living, besides the fact of all those dangerous things that he brings up in verses 12 and 13. Well, I can live with that. He says, oh, but one day, one day there's a grave warning that the Lord is going to come and execute His judgment. And what Jude's he's, he's quoting from uh, Enoch's prophecy and he's reminding us in this, uh, this quotation, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000. He reminds us that of a couple things. Number one, this judgment is going to include uh, the ungodly being called out, convicted, and consumed. Called out, convicted, and consumed. You'll notice in verse 15 alone, the word ungodly or ungodliness is used four times. Like you read that verse and it just starts jumping off the page at you to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. 
When Jesus comes and the Lord executes His judgment, He will call out everything for exactly what it is. So even though today we live in a time and place where everything's confused and, and, and things are unclear, right? Jude, a clear faith in a blurry world. Since the lines of godliness and ungodliness seem to have been blurred by our culture and even the church that's buying into some of it, one day Jesus is going to come and he's going to call everything out for exactly what it is. Because as we said last week, there is ungodly and there is godly. This is not a continuum. It's not a spectrum that we are called to navigate. You can honor God or we honor ourselves. And that's what Jude is saying. It happens exactly with these teachers. They come and they take what what we should honor God for and they use it as a license to do whatever they want. To do whatever we want. It's ungodly or it's godly. It reminds me, frankly, of 2 Timothy chapter 3 where... Paul's writing to a young pastor and he's warning him of the last days and the things that are going to come in it. And he talks about the people who will have the appearance of godliness but deny its power. And I wonder if there's not a lot of people in churches today that are there. We know how to put the face on. We know how to smile just right. We know the words to say. We know the things that maybe we should be part of, but in the heart of our hearts, we ain't fooling God. And we struggle with this. And we deny the power that is godliness in us. Because our righteousness is not our own. It's the Holy Spirit that's at work in us. You cannot conjure up godliness on yourself. The scriptures are clear that apart from the Lord, we are utterly depraved. We are are tainted in every part of our lives by the effect of sin. So if our boast is, I'm doing my best to live a godly life, you're missing it. It's not do your best. It's God who's working in you. It's dying to yourself and letting Christ live and operate in you. It's allowing the Spirit to lead and guide. It's not just about us trying harder. That's the humanistic garbage that's been creeping into the church. Your four-step life is not what the Scriptures have prescribed. The Scriptures have said, you are a sinner deserving of God's wrath, but He has saved you by His grace. And He has charted out good works for you to walk in. And by the way, He's the one who empowers you. He's the one who leads you. He's the one who breathes life into you. So if you decide to part with Him, you are, as Jesus says in John 15, a branch that has fallen off the tree. You will produce no good fruit apart from Him. It's He who deserves all the power. It's He who deserves all the glory and all the honor. And when we start to take that credit on ourselves, Jude is saying, watch out. Don't step out of your place. Know who you are in Christ. Know whose you are in Christ. And live in that place. So we can let the world call it whatever they want to call it today, being tolerant, being intentional, being loving, being progressive or revolutionary or whatever, whatever garbage line that we want to put on it. But at the end of the day, Jesus is going to call it what he's going to call it, and it's ungodly. And how do we know but to stick close to the Scriptures, to know what he has said to us, to walk by faith, and to take him at his word 
That's what he's calling us to. Because not only is he going to call it out, Jude says that he's going to convict. And convict is not just a, I mean, it's, there's a legal sense to it, for sure. Be found guilty of. But also used in the sense where the ungodly that Jude is speaking of will come to a place where they recognize their own ungodliness. They'll see it and perceive it. So even today, we might reason and plead with people seemingly in vain and wonder, should I even bring it up? Is it worth, is it worth it? Even though it seems like maybe there's no outcome, how are we going to reason with this where it seems like reason may be out the window? One day, one day Jesus is going to come with the greatest clarity that nobody will be able to deny and he will convict all the ungodly for their ungodliness. And this is not in any way to say, yeah, let's, let's just wait for that day. and we, Let's rejoice just in that day. Man, should this not break our hearts too? Because the reality is not only will people be convicted, but they're going to be consumed. And that's what Jude's been talking about in this whole passage. You want to follow this way of thinking, this is what it's going to lead to. You will be destroyed in your ungodliness. Just like the Israelites, what happened to them? The whole generation, 20 years and up, who denied God and they wandered in the wilderness, they all died in the wilderness. They never got to step foot in the promised land. What happened to the angels that fell and left their proper place? They're kept in gloomy chains until the final day of judgment. What happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? They were destroyed by fire. What happened to Cain? He was cast out and labeled as an exile and wanderer on the earth. What happened to Balaam? He was rebuked by a donkey and then later died. What happened to Korah and all those who rebelled? The ground opened up and swallowed them, and the rest were consumed by fire. Jude's not just using little things like, hey, it's just a. These are grave warnings. Because in the end, people will be consumed following their selfish desires. Following their dreams, as he talks about in verse 8. It is going to lead to no place but destruction. So it also, it ought to move us to watch ourselves, to watch each other, to be alert for these things. But shouldn't it also lead us to the same humility as he speaks about the Archangel Michael, the one person who may have grounds to dispute with the devil? And the Archangel Michael says, it's not my place to execute judgment. That's got the Lord rebuke you. So should we not approach the world that we live in, and these false seeds, we're going to talk about it next week, with a level of humility that we, we, have, we have compassion on people, that we would show mercy to others, because we know what's coming. Shouldn't it move us to declare the truth, maybe to preach and proclaim the one faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints? Because at the end of the day, people are going to be given over to exactly what they wanted. 
We think, oh, the wrath of God so intense, so maybe unfair. Really, to consume people, to damn them to hell, it's rather extreme. But ultimately what it is, is it's God giving people exactly what they wanted. Because in this life, the pattern is they wanted nothing to do with God. God was a means to an end. God was the, the license that gave them to live what they wanted. They denied their only Lord and Master, Jesus Christ. And so ultimately to be consumed in that, God is going to say, have what you want. And you'll have it for all eternity. It's a grave, grave reality. So Jude takes time here to, to talk us through this so that before we buy into the scams that these scoundrels are coming, that we would take Jude's words to heart, that we would examine carefully the patterns of these false teachings. We would examine carefully the products that they actually offer. And we would examine carefully the penalty that comes for all those who would follow their way of doing things. Buyer beware. Know what you're buying into before you buy into it.